Welcome everybody to New Covenant Ministries Church. We are so glad that you're here with us today. Uh, you know, doing live stream um, on YouTube. We just, uh, we praise you for just uh, your faithfulness and um, just, we just welcome you today. But um, first of all, I just want to say that, you know, if you haven't been watching us, I encourage you to watch us. You know, pastor has been preaching on faith, which is so important for the times that we're living in. You know, he says, uh, you know, in Habakkuk 2.4 and Galatians 3.11, Romans 1.17 and Hebrews 10.38, that the just shall live by faith. You know, it's so important to build up your faith in these times. Reason being, you know, sometimes when you might not need a faith or need healing, uh, you know, as you sow it, um, God is, is going to bring the harvest in. And the Bible says that, you know, first comes the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear. God is ready to about to do a harvest in your life. And he, uh, he just wants to to use you and use your faith. And I just encourage you, as you listen today, I pray that you'd be blessed. And uh, I'm just thankful that I'm in your home. So, um, you know, pastor, like I said, pastor's been preaching from faith, you know, and I believe that, you know, the times that we're living in and the time and day that, you know, we're going through in this coronavirus, you know, let's, uh, let's be as a body, as one, you know, praying against it. You know, uh, pastor's been teaching on, you know, different, um, different translations of the Bible. But I, I, like the, uh, I like the Matthew 18, 19, um, Gerald Roy uh, passion, or p- translation where it says, you know, if any two agree on touching anything, it shall be done by my pappy in heaven. You know, Gerald Roy is just a blessing, and, uh, you know, I love his translation. But let's just get right into it. Um, you know, let's go to uh, John chapter 11. If everybody has their Bibles, John chapter 11. I'll try not to go fast. Um, I'm going to be reading this from the Passion Translation. Reason being, uh, it's just so easy to, uh, to read. So John chapter 11, let's start at verse 1. And this is the story about Lazarus. It says, In the village of Bethany there was a man named Lazarus and his sisters Mary and Martha. Mary was the one who would anoint Jesus' feet with costly perfume and dry his feet with her long hair. One day, G- one day Lazarus became very sick to the point of death, so his sisters sent a message to Jesus. Lord, our brother Lazarus is the one that you love, is very sick, please come. And when he heard this, he said, This sickness will not end in death for Lazarus, but will bring glory and praise to God. This will reveal the greatness of the Son of God by what takes place. Now, even though Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, he remained there for another two more days. Finally, on the third day, he said to his disciples, Come, it's time to go to Bethany. But teacher, they said to him, Do you really want to go back there? It was just a short time ago that the people of Judea were going to stone you. And Jesus replied, Are there not 12 hours of daylight in every day? You can go through a day without fear of stumbling when you walk in the one who gives light to the world. But you will stumble when the light is not in you. For you will be walking in dark. And then Jesus added, Lazarus, our friend, has just fallen asleep. It's time to go wake him. And when they heard this, the disciples replied, Lord, if he has just fallen asleep, then he'll get up and he'll get better. And Jesus was speaking about Lazarus' death, but the disciples presumed that he was talking about a natural sleep. And then Jesus made it very plain to them, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there 
because now I have another opportunity to see, for you to see who I am so that you will learn to trust me. Come, let's go and see him. So Thomas, nicknamed the twin, remarked to the other disciples, let's go so that we can all die with him. Now they arrived at Bethany. There was about two, from, there was about two miles from Jerusalem. Jesus found Lazarus and had already been uh, in the tomb for four days. Many friends of Mary and Martha had come to the region to console them over the loss of their brother. And when Martha heard that Jesus was approaching the village, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed in the house. Martha said, Jesus, my Lord, only if you were here sooner, my brother wouldn't have died. But I know that you were, I know that if you were to ask God for anything, he would do it for you. Jesus told her, your brother will rise and live. And she replied, yes, I know he will rise with everyone on the resurrection day. Martha, Jesus said, you don't have to wait till then. I am the resurrection I am the life eternal. Anyone who clings to me in faith, even though he dies, will live forever. And the one who lives believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Martha replied, yes, Lord, I do. I've always believed that you're the anointed one, the son of God, who has come into the world for us. And she left and hurried off to her sister, Mary, and called her aside from all the mourners and whispered to her, the master is here and he is asking for you. So when Mary heard this, she went off quickly to find him. For Jesus was lingering outside the village at the time, at the spot where Martha had met him. Now Mary, Mary's friends who were comforting her noticed that how quickly she ran out of the house and they followed her, assuming that she was going to the tomb to, for her brother to mourn. When Mary finally found Jesus outside the village, she fell at her f- his feet in tears and said, Lord, if you had only been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus looked at Mary and saw her weeping at his feet and all her friends that were with her grieving, he shuddered with emotion and was deeply moved with tenderness and compassion. He said to him, where did you bury him? Lord, come with us so that we sh- will show you. And they replied, and the tears streamed down Jesus' face. Seeing Jesus weep caused many of the mourners to say, look how much he loved Lazarus. But yet others said, isn't this the one that opened blind eyes? Why didn't he do something to keep Lazarus from dying? And then Jesus, with intense emotions, came to the tomb and a cave with a stone placed over it. Jesus told him, roll it away. Then Martha said, but Lord, it's been four days since he's died, but now his body is already decomposing. And Jesus looked at her and said, didn't I tell you that you, if you believe in me, you'll see God unveil his power? So they rolled the heavy stone away and Jesus gazed up into heaven and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard my prayer for you listen to every word I speak. Now so that these who stand here with me will believe that you have sent me into the earth as your messenger and I will see I will use your power you have given me and then with a loud voice Jesus said with authority Lazarus come out of the tomb and then in the front of everyone Lazarus who had been dead for four four days earlier slowly hobbled out and he was still in grave clothes tightly wrapped around his hands and his feet covering his face and Jesus said unto him loose him and let him go unwrap him and let him loose and from that day forward many of those who came 
um, to visit Mary believed in him, for they had been with their own, they had seen with their own eyes the amazing miracle, and they went back to inform the Pharisees what Jesus had done. You know, I just want to point out a few, uh, a few points from um, John chapter 11 about Lazarus, about this story. You know, let's go to our Bibles to verse 4. Verse 4 says, uh, When Jesus heard that he had been sick, not unto death, but the glory of God, and the Son of God might be given glory. Let's read that over. When Jesus heard that, that he was sick, not unto death, but that God may be glorified therein. See, no glory is ever given um, out of sickness, but when healing comes, glory is given. Verse, um, verse 21 and 22. And then said Martha unto Jesus, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. But I know that even now, whatever you ask of God, God will give it to you. See, she didn't ask in faith. She only expressed her faith and faith the ability that he could do it. See, faith will always speak the desired result. Matthew, uh, or no, John 16, 23, 24 says, up to now, you've asked nothing in my name. Ask that you receive so that what? Your joy might be full. Romans um, 4, 17 says, you know, that uh, we call those things which be not as though they were. You know, call yourself healed. Call yourself healthy. Call yourself whole if you're dealing with something. Verse 25. And Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that lives, believes in me, though he were dead, he shall live. See, Mary didn't have to wait till then. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Faith is always now. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So, verse 40, the last point I want to point out, says, Jesus said unto her, if you, would not have, if you would have believed, you should see the glory of God. See, all Jesus wants us to do is just to believe Him. Believe that He's a healer. And Mark 11, 20, uh, 25, 11.25 says that the whatsoever things you desire, that when you pray, you believe that you receive them and you shall have them. He wants you to, when you pray, he wants you to believe what you say. The glory of God is revealed in Lazarus' life. Don't give attention to sickness or disease. Don't give attention to the circumstance that you're going through. You know, all he wants us to do is just to look to him, right? What did Jesus do when Lazarus, he said, Lazarus, come forth, well, before that, he looked up in the heaven. I'm pretty sure that when he said to the, to the people, roll that stone away, they were all looking in that tomb ready for Lazarus to come out. But no, Jesus wanted his, their eyes fixed on him, fixed on the Father. So that's when he said, you know, Father, I thank you that you've heard my prayer. And what happened? All the other people looked up to the Father. And all of a sudden, he just said, Lazarus, come forth. And what happened? He came forth. So whatever you're dealing with, whatever you're burdened with, whatever has anxiety that you're going through, um, God wants to give you peace in those situations and those circumstances. You know, I just want you to turn to uh, Matthew chapter 11. 
this is something that has been going over my heart for the last, um, I would say, you know, at least the last eight or nine months, um, God's been uh, speaking to me about this. And he says uh, in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, he says, Come unto me, all that you labor, and are heavy laden, for I will give you rest. He says, Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly. Notice that. Jesus said, Come learn of me, for I am meek and lowly. Jesus could have said anything in that circumstance, anything in that situation, but he said, No, come and learn of me. From meek and lowly. Humility. He said, Come and learn of me, for I'm meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. Notice, you know, verse 28 and verse 29 deals with your physical being, and then verse 30 deals with your spirit, deals with your soul, your mind, your will, and emotions. Not only does he want to give you rest in your body, but he also wants to give rest in your mind and your, in your, uh, in your spirit as well. He says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, when I first uh, started, uh, what can I say? You know, when I first started going to church or when I first started, you know, getting into the things of God or uh, it happened, you know, when I was in high school and, you know, I was praying that, uh, that God would send someone to me, you know what I mean, to minister to me, to mentor me, and to, you know, help me uh, develop my faith in, in, in Jesus. You know, I knew, I knew about God, but I didn't know him personally. And I remember when Pastor Paul, you know, he came to uh, the Inner School Christian Fellowship, and he, uh, he was there with all the other people and stuff like that. And I said in my heart, uh, I said, if I hug this man, and if he hugs me back, I'll know he's real. And so I did. And uh, after that, he said, you know, hey, James, can I, can I have your number? Can I call you sometime? <clears throat> so I said, sure. So I gave him my number. And, you know, shortly after, he calls me on the phone and he says, he said, James, would you, uh, why don't you come to church with me? Why don't you come to youth group? You know, and I think he asked me that maybe about two or three times. And so, uh, so I decided to say, you know, yeah, sure. You know, so I did. So the first step in believing is, uh, is from the very heart of Jesus when he said, come. When he says, follow me. So I encourage you, when Jesus says, come, follow me, be, just be obedient. Just like when Pastor Paul said, come, follow me. Come, come to youth group, come to church. There's a blessing in obedience. See, because of Pastor Paul's humility, because of his humility towards God, and listening to him, see, it brought someone's salvation. It brought someone's miracle. And you know, that was me. It brought salvation to me. It brought a miracle in my life. You know, it brought answers to my life. You know, when he first called me on the phone, he said, James, you got a Bible? I said, yeah. He said, I want you to turn up to John chapter 14, 15, and 16. I want you to read it to me out loud. And so I did. But in the first two scriptures, God revealed to me that, you know, my biggest, my biggest prayer was, uh, you know, am I going to heaven? And so anyways, in verse, you know, uh, verse, chapter 14, verse 1 and 2, it says, let your heart not be troubled, but believe in God and believe also in me and believe in the, also in the one that sent me. He said, in my house there's many mansions, and if it weren't so, I would not have told you, so that when I come again, I'll receive you unto myself, 
so that where I am, you'll be also. So what Jesus said to me there, the word came alive in me. He says, James, he said, when I separate everything, when I come back, I'm going to separate everything and I'm going to come back just for you. You know, he made it personal. God will always make it personal with you because he's a personal God. He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to have a fellowship with you. Humility should and always be rooted and grounded in a relationship with Christ. Humility is the only soil that grace can take root in. Faith, hope, and love are the fruit of a humble heart. So what am I trying to say here? I'm trying to talk to you about humility. You know, I don't have it all together. But you know, I've, I've come to know this. If Jesus said, come unto me, I know that's important. Let's turn to um, uh, 1 Peter chapter 5. Start in verse 5. It says, Likewise, you younger, submit yourselves unto the elder and be subject to one another and be clothed with humility. For God, what? Resists the proud, but gives what? Grace to the humble. A side note there, I just want to turn to um, 2 Corinthians 9.13. Goes into what I was talking about. Second Corinthians 9.13 says, While we experience, while the experiment of this ministration to glorify God in your professed subjection, subjection means obedience. Your professed subjection unto the gospel of Christ for your liberal distribution unto them and to all men. See, there's a blessing in obedience. The New Living Translation says it even better. It says, As a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God, and for your generosity to them, to all believers, will prove that you, have been, you've, you are obedient to Christ. See, Pastor Paul was obedient to God, and what happened? I got saved. But not only did I get saved, but I believe that others got saved, you know? Everything that I am doing goes towards his account in heaven. And I'm very honored by that. You know, and I've been coming here for a long time and I, and I'll still keep on coming. You know, I'm not going to give up, you know, maybe because my humility will lead to someone's salvation, will lead to someone's miracle, will lead me to lay the hands on the sick and see them recover just because of my humility. And you know, because of your humility as well, that people won't give up, you know, turn back to second Peter. Verse 6, it says, Humble yourselves, therefore, into the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your cares upon him. For what? He's the one that cares for you. The first time I ever heard that scripture, I was, uh, I was probably coming to the church maybe, maybe two or three weeks. And I used to always get there early. I used to always get to the church early, and I used to sit on the step. And I used to have my Bible, and I used to read my Bible. And... Uh, so anyways, I was there one day, and I was, it was really early, and Pastor, Pastor, Pastor Gary and Pastor Nancy, um, you know, drove up, and they got out of the car, and, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, this was going back 20-plus years ago, and um, here I am, just a, a, a newly 
I'd say a newly Christian, you know, probably about a month or two old. And, uh, you know, I was hungry for the word and I was always reading my Bible. And, you know, I was reading my Bible. They're coming up the, uh, the, uh, the stairs. And I said, how you doing? And he said, good. And, uh, you know, I didn't know what to say to him. So, you know, I just said to him, oh, take care. And so anyways, he said to me, he said, no. He said, I don't take any care. He said, I cast all my cares upon the Lord for he's the one that cares for me. And he quoted 1 Peter 5, 7. And I remember that. So what did I do? Looked at 1 Peter 5, 7. And God spoke to me there. He says, I want you to cast all your care upon me. Just like when Pastor Gary cast all his care upon him. So yeah, that whatever you're dealing with, whatever care and anxiety, give it to God. Verse 8. It says, be sober and vigilant because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about, whom he, walks about seeking whom he may devour. See, the, see, the enemy can only devour um, the one who's disobedient. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4 and 6 says, so though we walk not in the flesh, or no, let's, let's go, let's read that. You know, it's very important. Like I, I can quote the scripture, but I'd rather read it to you. Reason being is because the Bible says, Jesus said, blessed are your eyes for they see and what? Your ears for they hear. It's, you only have two gates. You have an ear gate and an eye gate. And God wants you to put it through both. So 2 Corinthians 10. It says, for the weapons are of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds and casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought into the obedience of Christ. He says, having a readiness to avenge all disobedience. What? When your obedience is fulfilled. So I just encourage you, be obedient. First, um, first thing I want to go to is Ephesians chapter 6. Be strong. What did he say in 2 Peter? He said he seeks whom he can devour. He can't devour someone who's strong. Ephesians chapter 6. Starting in uh, verse 10, he said, Finally, my brother, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. The power of whose? His might. He didn't say the power of yours. He said the power of his. He said, put on the whole armor of God that you what? Stand against the wiles of the devil. He said, for though we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against what? Principalities and powers and rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in, in high places. Wherefore, take on the whole armor of God that you be able to stand in the, with, stand in the evil day, having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girded about with the truth, and having the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of gospel of peace. And above all, take the shield of faith, wherein you're able to, sh to uh, quench every fiery dart of the wicked one. And take on the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is what? The Word of God. So many people think that the, the sword of the Spirit is in your hand, but no, the sword of the Spirit is in your mouth. It's your words that you speak. It's your words that you speak over your circumstances, over your life, over your family, over your friends, over your pastors. Speak life. It says death and life, what? 
Proverbs 18.21 says, death and life are what? In the power of the tongue. So be strong. But it's our choice to put on the armor. I put this in my margin. Be strong. But it's our choice to put on the armor. We are in a fight whether we like it or not. You're in a fight whether you like it or not. But I would rather be protected than be wounded. Go back to Second um, Peter. So be sober and vigilant because your adversary, the devil, uh, as a roaring lion walks about seeking whom he may devour. You know, choose obedience. Choose to be strong. Choose to put on the whole armor of God. So when those things come against you, you have the weapon to overcome. The Bible says in, um, in Revelations 12, 11, says you've overcome him. Who? Him. By the blood of the lamb and by what? The word of your testimony. But the God of all grace, or no, so verse nine, sorry. Whom you resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions that are accomplished in your brother are in the world. So that no matter what you're going through, um, you're not alone. Someone else is going through something too. But you know, God has given you strength. He's given you the ability. Ability to what? Just to believe him. That's all he asks for. It's just for us to believe him. Believe his word. But, uh, but the God, verse 10, said, the God of all grace who has called you into eternal glory by Christ Jesus, that even though you've suffered well, make you perfect and establish and strengthen and settle you. See, humility and strength always relies on the power that comes from above. I'll read that again. Humility and strength always relies on the power that comes from above. John 15, 5. John chapter 15, verse 5. It says, I am the vine and you are the branches. And he that abides in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me, you can do what? Nothing. See, in being separated from God, you, you, you can do nothing. Only you separate yourself from God. So I'm the vine, you are the branches, and he that abides in me and I in him, the same brings forth what? Much fruit. God wants you to bring much fruit in your life. He wants you to be a blessing wherever you go. A blessing wherever you go. It's like when I went to, uh, when I went to Starbucks this morning. You know, I've been uh, to just get my coffee and some, some breakfast. And uh, I've been stuck in the house for the past couple of weeks. And it's been hard for me. You know, I've been, uh, I've been stuck in the house, you know, with my wife. And, you know, it's, it's been a blessing, actually, because uh, it's brought us closer together. You know, I'm in the Word more. You know, I'm not giving attention to, you know, every other little thing. I'm giving all my attention to God. I'm looking to Him. And uh, it's, been, uh, it's been peaceful. It's been really peaceful. I, I find, uh, you know, I haven't had this much peace in, in a long time, and it, and it feels good. And that peace is from Him. And, uh, but yeah, you know, it's, it's uh, even when I went to Starbucks this morning and got my coffee, you know, I was so happy to see someone. So Because I love people. I love being around people, and I love talking to people and interacting. And, you know, he was just like, 
you know, why are you so happy? Why, why are you so bright this morning? And, uh, and I just told them, you know, well, first of all, the Bible says to let your light shine before men so that what they may see your, you know, the goodness of God in you. So anyways, I just said, there's always something to be thankful for. You know, I'm thankful that you made my coffee today. I'm thankful that I have health. I'm thankful that I'm here with you, talking to you, you know, and trying to give someone hope, trying to give someone, you know, encouragement. And uh, I just enjoyed that today. But, um, but let's go back to uh, the word and Second um, Peter. Four points I want to um, talk to you about in living a life of humility. It's really simple, really. Number one would be, be determined to know that your relationship you have with Christ is perfect. It's perfect. That when you accept Christ in your life, you are perfect with him. You are one with him. And how you become perfect is, because, is due to the fact that, you know, you're learning to die to self. You die to pride. Die to yourself. Galatians 2.20 says, I'm crucified with Christ. It's nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in my flesh, I live by what? The faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. 1 Corinthians 2.2 2 says, I'm knowing this one thing that, you know, uh, let's go there. Just 1 Corinthians 2.2. 2. For I'm determined to know this one thing. Among you, save Jesus and him crucified. That was Paul speaking. For I'm determined to know <clears throat> this one thing, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19 to 20 says, Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Glorify your God in your body. God wants you to die to self. You know, that's the first step to humility is just dying to self. Dying to your dying to your pride, you know, humble yourself before him and putting him first. So number one, be determined to know that your relationship with him, your relationship with Christ is perfect. Number two, be established that your faith does not entirely depend on the knowledge you have, but it is on total reliance by the spirit that is in you. And what's that? In uh, 1 Corinthians 2, 5, this says that the wisdom that your faith would not stand in the wisdom of men, but what? The power of God. And the power of God is just knowing who you are in him. Number three, you're always growing and strengthening your fellowship with the spirit of God. And the best teacher is who? The best teacher is the Holy Spirit. John 14, 26, he says, the comforter, which is the Holy Spirit. He is your God. He's your comforter. He's a perfect gentleman. And he says, he'll teach you all things and what? Bring all things to your remembrance, whatever Jesus has said to you. 1 Corinthians 2.16 says also, you know, who's going to instruct you? Let him instruct you. He's given you the what? Mind of Christ. Think it like th he thinks. Think on things that are pure and true and honest and just and lovely and of good report. The Bible says in Philippians 4, and if there's any praise, there's any virtue, think on those things. He wants you to think upon the word. So no matter what you're going through, he always wants you to look to him. He always wants you to go to him. Number four, settle yourself knowing that the same spirit that was in Christ is in you. And that as Jesus and the Father are one, 
so are you and Jesus and the Father are one. John, uh, John chapter 17. Verse, uh, let's start in um, verse 21. And so that they all be one, even as Father, you and me are one, that they also may be one in us, and that the world may believe that you have sent me. He says, in the glory that you gave me, I've given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I and them and you and me, that they be made what? Perfect in one. Perfect, that word perfect means just complete. That the world may know that you have sent me and you have loved them as you have loved me. Jesus loves you. God loves you. God loves you as much as he loves Jesus. And his mind is not going to change on that. You know, that word settle, uh, back in, uh, in 2 Peter, it also means, uh, means grounded. Now, I was talking to my mom the other night, and um, I don't know how this, this conversation came up, but uh, she said, James, she said, you know, when you, were, when you were younger, you never ever got mad, you know? You never ever yelled. And I said, oh, yeah, okay. She goes, but you were bad. You know, you were, you were bad. And I was like, okay, you know, and, and uh, I used to get grounded a lot. I mean, you know, grounded to my room, you know what I mean? And what happens when you get grounded? Well, I used to get what my mother used to call um, get a licking, <laughs> you know? And I got a licking a lot because I got in trouble a lot. And, uh, you know, when she used to give me a licking, it used to be, you know, whatever was close to her, whether it be her slipper, whether it be the belt, or whether it be the, the big wooden spoon that, that was on the wall, you know? whatever she can get her hands on, I would, I would get a licking. And then, you know, I would get sent to my room and, you know, she would say, you know, you got to think about what you did wrong. And uh, how many of you know that, um, that God doesn't treat us like that? God loves us with tenderness and compassion. He is good to us. And, you know, I've only been grounded once as a Christian and how I've been grounded is what? In the rooted and grounded in the love of God. God's grounded me here at New Covenant Ministries Church to speak to you, and I'm honored by that. You know, to bring the Word of God to you, to bring life into you, to bring hope into you, to bring faith, you know? So anyways, yeah, I, you know, I used to get grounded a lot, but, you know, since I've become a Christian, I've only been grounded once, and it's here at New Covenant Ministries. Turn to um, turn the James a couple pages over. So when God, God ground you, when He grounded me, what did He do? He grounded me in church. He grounded me in the local body, so what I could grow, and so that you can grow. He's grounded here at New Covenant Church, so you can grow. And no matter what you go through, if you if you're corrected and instructed. You know, take that as, as, uh, as encouragement, that God wants to show you something. He wants to encourage you. He wants to build you up. He wants to make you stronger. He wants to make you stronger in the Word, stronger in Him. But this is what He gives when He grounded me. 
In James chapter 4, verse 6, he says, but God gives more grace. What? He says, God resists the proud, but gives what? Grace to the humble. When God grounded me here and grounded me in him, he's given me grace. He says, for God gives grace to the humble. He said, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. There's that word submission again. All it is is just obedient. Just be obedient to him. Humble yourself before him. And he says, draw near unto me and I'll draw near unto you. Clean your hands with Purell, you sinners. <laughs> no, just kidding. It says, draw near unto God and he will draw near unto you. Clean your hands and purify your hearts, you double-minded. That word double-minded just means, you know, don't doubt. All he wants you to do is just believe him. He says, humble yourselves, verse 10, he says, humble yourselves therefore in the sight of the Lord and he shall what? He shall what? Lift you up. He just wants you to believe him. He just wants you to humble yourself towards him. So the moral of the story is, you know, what I'm trying to say to you, you know, even through Lazarus, you know, he just wants you to believe in him. He just wants you to express his, he doesn't want you to express your faith. He, you know, he wants you to release your faith that he can do what he said he can do. God loves you and I love you. And even though, you know, I like the um, Colossians 2.5 in the Jamesy translation where it says, Though I be absent with you in the flesh, I'm with you in spirit. And though I enjoy all the video chats we've been having and hearing of your great faith that you still have towards him, towards Christ. You know, until we meet again, I just want to say thank you. And I uh, just want to encourage you to keep on keeping on. Keep on, you know, getting into the word, digging into the word. And I look forward to seeing you at church again. Um, I'm pretty sure this too will pass, you know, hopefully sooner than later. And uh, don't give up. Don't give up hope. Don't give up faith. Don't give up love. He loves you, and I love you. And until next time, God bless you. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.